0: We are on Ksubis Yer 10A1 in the Archfield Gemara. The Gemara uh, is now discussing the concept of the Ksuba. The Ksuba is the uh, document which, in which the husband, at the beginning of the marriage, obligates himself. He has an obligation to support his wife at the end of the marriage, when the marriage ends, when it terminates. Whether that is through death, whether the husband dies, or whether that is through divorce, he has an obligation to support his wife. The Gemara will be discussing a very big issue as to whether this is a biblical obligation or is this a rabbinic obligation. And so we will see uh, the different opinions that are found in the Gemara. There are also different opinions in terms of how we follow. In the end of the day, uh, some of the earlier commentators say that it's rabbinic, some of them say that it's biblical, A lot of it is based on this Gemara, as well as a few other sources, other passages in the Talmud. The reason why we are coming on to this, why we're discussing this now, is because of what we had earlier. Earlier we had uh, the statement of Shmuel, who said that the husband comes the next day after they get married. They get married on a Wednesday night. On Wednesday, he comes to court the next day and he says... That uh, he believes that his wife is, was not a virgin at the time of the marriage um, because of pesach Basuach, because there was an opening and he didn't find the hymen. Uh, so the Gemara Shmua was of the opinion that uh, he is believed. He is believed to the extent that we say that um, he does not have to pay the ksuba. He would not. He doesn't have to pay this obligation because there is concern that his wife committed adultery while they were engaged during that year-long engagement. Um, so there is that concern. And so based off of that, the Gemara seems to imply, as we will see, that the only reason why we believe him is really because ksuba is only rabbinic in nature. If it would be biblical, so then we would not believe him, but because it's rabbinic, therefore we do uh, believe him. Um, it's not exactly 100% clear from the Gemara, but that is how many do understand the Gemara. So let's see this inside. Itmar, it was taught. Omar of Nahan, again, are in 1081 in the article, in the first column, column in the article, Gemara. Omar of Nahan, Amr Shmuel Mishim, Rav Ben-Alazar. Rav Shem Ben-Alazar says the following, Chacham Yim Tekno of L'Binoz Israel. the sages, our rabbis, they instituted for the binos Israel, for the daughters of Israel, le Maasim There's different amounts. Um, for a Besula, for a virgin, if one marries a virgin, so then they receive 200 zuz. That was the currency back in the days of the Talmud. 200 zuz. And if she was not amana, if she's a widow, so then it comes out to 100 zuz. Now, how much is that, if we were to sort of bring that into today's, today's terms, in terms of dollars, how much is that? So it's not really not that much um, in in today's uh, dollar bill, in today's dollar amount. Uh, it comes out to different opinions exactly, right. exactly how much it comes out to, but let's say either $550, um, around that amount, maybe a little less, uh, and then that that would be for 200 jose. For 100 jose, for the widow, it would be half that, right? It would be half that in 2, 275. It would be half that. Now, there are opinions, there are some opinions that say that it doesn't really end up being 550 and 275. Really, 200 just really reflects a year's worth salary in the days of the Talmud. It would be a year's worth salary in the days of the Talmud, and so therefore the equivalent today would be a year's worth salary for his wife, who is a basula, who is a virgin. Um, if it's a widow, so then it would be half that. It would be six months' worth. Of a salary, of a, of a regular salary, um, and that's the opinion according to, uh, according to some. So this is according to Rav Shimon Ben Elazar. This is instituted by, the rabbis. This is a rabbinic law. Veheim, and then, then he continues and he says, Veheim Eminu, because it's rabbinic. This is how some explain it. Because it's rabbinic, therefore they believe the husband when he comes the next day. He says, Shemamart Petzefasuach Matzasi but it comes along, and he says that he believes that his wife was not a virgin at the time of the marriage, and that there's concern again that she committed adultery. So therefore, he believes again, uh, referring back to the last couple of classes, this is really talking about a case where it's the wife of a Cohen, uh, where there's even if she was raped, so then uh, they would still have to, they would still have to get divorced. Um, or if it's talking that uh, the wife of who got married when she was very, very young, so uh, when she had sexual relations, it was during the engagement, it could have been that she was raped and then she would be exempt, and they could stay married, uh, but but it didn't happen before the marriage because she got married by her father at a very young age. Okay, but either way, we see from this Kumara that the concept of exuba, the concept of this financial obligation which is placed upon the husband, is rabbinic in nature, really rabbinic. And therefore, because it's rabbinic, we want to say that if he claims that Pesach Basuach, that he found out, uh, he claims that she was, uh, is concern that she committed adultery, so therefore he is believed because it's rabbinic. Excuse me, because it's rabbinic. Now, uh, if it wasn't for this factor, it seems like, and, and a lot of the commentators pick up on this, if it wasn't for this factor, it seems like we would not believe the husband. Why wouldn't we believe the husband? He seems to be making a pretty valid claim. So there are many, many reasons why we shouldn't believe the husband. In the end of the day, there is a statistical majority that most women um, are basubos. They did not have sexual relations before the, during the marriage. They, were, they, they didn't commit adultery. And there is a status quo. status quo is that she, just like we assumed yesterday, was that uh, she was uh, a virgin. So then so too today. Um, she's Also, she knows more than he knows. There's a concept called bari. So she can make a certain claim against him. This is a, a claim that uh, that he knows of, she knows with certainty he doesn't. Uh, this idea we'll get to in a few weeks. This is uh, will be analyzed much further in a few weeks. The, the fact that she knows with certainty gives her um, higher standing in court. So we'll see exactly what that is uh, in a little bit. But there are many reasons why we should believe her and not him. And we do. We believe her and not him. However, we believe him because it's rabbinic, and we'll see also for another reason as well, for it's all, it's interwoven together, it's for both, both of the reasons together, but we'll see why, in a second. The Gemara now asks, in Cain, If this is true, if it's true, that the husband can get out of this, at any point in time, he can kind of get out of the, out of paying the tsuba by saying, you know what, I'm making the following claim, the claim that, when I had sexual relations, the first time with my wife, there was no hymen there, Therefore, this concern that she committed adultery, I don't have to be an Iksuba anymore. He can always make such a claim, if that's the case. So then why would the rabbis institute this concept of Iksuba to begin with, if he could always get out of it? Just by his word and his word alone? Without any witnesses, he could get out of it? What's the point? What's the point of instituting the concept of Iksuba? And so the Gemara answers, an important line here, Amar Chazaka, Ein Adum the reason for this is because most people won't do this. They won't make such a claim. Again, you would have to make this claim pretty early in the marriage, meaning, you know, within the, the first couple of days of the marriage. And there's in chazaka. There's an assumption that a person will not go through the trouble of making a meal, of preparing for the meal for a whole year, right? They prepare for the meal. For the meal, there would be um, a lot of financial loss when preparing for the meal, there's emotional... Uh, your emotions are in on it and your, the preparations involved. And then the next day you're going to come and you're going to say, Oh, I'm getting divorced. And not only am I getting divorced, but I don't have to pay the xuba So it's highly, highly unlikely, unless they're telling the truth. But if not for that, it's highly unlikely. And so therefore, this does not ruin the concept of xuba of the institution of xuba because most people wouldn't do this. And furthermore, the commentator point out that this is also the logical argument as to why we believe him. Why should we believe him? There are no witnesses. Why, why in the world do we believe him? So many of the commentators say the reason why we believe him is because he wouldn't do such a thing. He just got married the night before. Tell me the next day he's going to come to court and make something up and say, you know what? I, I have this concern, uh, but I'm really making this up just to get out of the super money, just so that I don't have to pay the Xupa. It's highly unlikely. He just spent a ton of money on the wedding itself. And he's just going to do all of this just to get out of the k'subah. It is highly unlikely, and therefore, we do, in fact, uh, believe him. Okay? So, that's why we believe him. Again, it's also because it's rabbinic. The whole concept of k'subah is rabbinic in nature, according to that opinion. Um, And it's about the fact that he wouldn't lie about this the next day after his marriage. Okay, the Gemara continues in this discussion about whether it's rabbinic or not. So, Tana, it's taught in a b'risa, because... This is a fine that we place uh, upon the husband. The Gmar will clarify that this is not really a fine. It's not a fine. But this is, uh, we'll see, it's for it's for a different reason. It's not, it's not because of a fine, uh, but it's really for a different reason. So, lo tigba Because this is rabbinic. So, there's different ways that you can pay. You can pay with money. Alternatively, in general, when you pay back, let's say, a loan or any other financial obligations, which you have. You can pay back with money. Alternatively, often you can pay back with land. With land. And again, there's uh, three different types of land. There is a better land, the best superior land, which is called Idis. Obviously, if you give that land, so then you're giving uh, a smaller area. Then there's Beninus, the middle ground. And then there's the Boris, the uh, lower value land. Now, with the lower value land, you're getting, in order to, uh, give it the right amount. You're going to have to give a larger amount, right? If you have to give the equivalent of 200 zoos, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a, a lower level land, if it's not high real estate, so then you're going to have to give more property. You have to give more property, but nevertheless, most people don't want that. They would prefer to have enus. They would prefer to have the superior quality land, even if they're going to have less of it, rather than having much more of something which is of lower quality the Gemara says, because the concept of Ksuba is rabbinic, so therefore, when she collects, if he's not giving money, when she collects, so then he could give her uh, from the land, which is the boris, from the inferior land um, she could collect from, because it's rabbinic. So the Gemara interjects, and it says, knasa this is a fine my knasa What's the fine? It sounds like we're putting some sort of penalty on the husband. So the Gemara says, no. And the Gemara says, no. It doesn't mean that it's a fine. We have to sort of change the language. It means that this is an institution of the rabbis. So therefore, she has to collect from, if she's collecting from land, she has to collect from the inferior land. Even though she gets more of it, but it's inferior land. It's not something that she necessarily wants, but because it's rabbinic, so therefore, he is allowed to give her that type of land. Now, if it's rabbinic, why would the rabbis institute the concept of Aksubah? And so the reason that they institute the concept of Aksubah is The whole reason is um, so that it's not easy to get divorced. We don't want to make it easy to get divorced. This is really, the way some understand it, is, is this is really a, a form of creating a certain backbone to the marriage where um, there's, it's not easy to get out of it. Marriage is about commitment. Marriage is about sticking through it. And we want to make sure that the couple sticks through it. We don't want them to just get married and get divorced mutually. Even if... um, To get divorced the next day, that's not what we want. We want to make it difficult to get divorced so that they can work through things. And so therefore, there's a way out. There definitely is a way out. And sometimes it's a mitzvah to get divorced. But we don't want to make it that it's so easy to just easily get divorced. No. This is a commitment. And there will be ramifications to this commitment. If you want to back out of this commitment, which sometimes... You should, but nevertheless, we want to make it a little difficult, and so therefore they instituted the concept of ksuba. So that it's not easy to get divorced, so that it is a marriage which is, uh, has now the potential to last a long time, that they are taking it seriously, and they will not back out of it. Which is why some actually say, we read the ksuba at the wedding. We read the ksuba at the wedding under the chuppah. Yes, the primary reason is to have Uh, a time delay between the halachic engagement and the halakhic marriage but you could have done anything so why specifically because it sounds a little strange you're reading these aramaic words that are about all these financial obligations uh it's it's more than just what we're discussing there's other obligations which are placed upon the husband and the wife Uh, but the reason behind it perhaps is that the reason why we say it is because it's really trying to show us how serious we take these marriages and that there's a real commitment here there's a real commitment yes there is the possibility of backing up, but there's a real commitment here. Okay. The Gemara now continues with the rest of the Brisa. Again, the Brisa said that the Tzuba is rabbinic. The end of the Torah. now it's biblical. We find it to be biblical uh, because of the words, even though it's not in the right context necessarily. It says, Kemoer habasulos in the amount of the settlement that you have with the marriage, Uh, the context of that verse of that pasuk, really is not about a regular marriage. Really, it's about in the context of um, somebody who seduces somebody else and doesn't want to marry them, or somebody who rapes somebody else. So then there's a certain fine which is in place. They they have to, on a biblical level, they have to pay a certain amount to the father or to the to to the father of the of the of the girl. You have to pay fifty schillin. And it says Kamora just like the amount of the smohar of the settlement that you had with uh, with in the in the marriage itself. So it's alluded to. It seems to be that it's alluded to, and therefore it is biblical. So the Gemara asks, does he Rab-ish, He's the one who just said this, that it's biblical in nature. So is that really true? Did he really say this? Say, Did really say that it's biblical. Vahatanya, but we taught that in the context of seducing a Nara, a 12-year-old, it says they have to pay 50 silver scolum, just like the settlement to uh, the marriage. What does this mean? She has Kamara, and It's there to tell us that we are now comparing seducing, in terms of the fine that's paid, seducing to the fine that you pay when there is a rape to a na'ara, i.e. the amount, or comparing the amount, of 50 silver coins. Umor absulukhazah, umor kazeh. And we also learn that both of them involve involve silver shekels, silver shkallen, and the amount is 50. So that's what what it says. Mikan, but the main point is the next part. From here we see, because of the language that is used, it sounds like there's some sort of financial obligation which a husband has. Therefore, we see that there is a source from the Torah for this concept of aksubah. There is a source from Roshim ben omer however, Roshim Ben-Gamliel says, We seem to have a contradiction here with in Originally he said that it's biblical, now we saying that it's not biblical, it's only rabbinic. So what is it? So the Gemara answers. Two different answers. Number one, answer number one is ipith. Okay, this last Brisa that we quoted were assuming we will flip it. He didn't say that it's rabbinic. Really, it's biblical. Flip it. So the Gemara asks, my father is so why did we flip the second brisa? We should flip the first brysa. Why do why do we change the second price is to say that holds that it's really biblical. There were two braces that were contradicting each other, two statements that were contradicting each other. How do we know which one to say is the incorrect one? So the Gemara answers. Now, because we find there's a third source, there's a third source of Rav Shimon who says that a woman who got married. In one place, in Kaputki, and they got divorced in Israel, so then, which coins do you use to pay back? So, Rosh a Gamaliel hold that because the chupa is biblical, um, so therefore you have an obligation to pay back with the uh, coin that has uh, a higher value associated with it. Because it's biblical, you have to pay with that coin. Others who hold that it's only rabbinic say that, no, you don't have to pay for that coin. You can pay with the coin which has lesser value. Uh, because there's two different types of currencies. There's one for Kabutsky, the one's for one for Israel. So Vishimanwheel says that you can pay back with the coin which has higher value associated with it because he holds that it's biblical. So because there's this third source, so therefore the one that we're gonna flip and say is incorrect is the one where he says that it's for bank. Really he holds it's biblical. It's two to one. Really he holds that it's biblical. Second H of the Gemara, don't flip it, but you by saying Really, this is all the entire brace was Rabbi Shimon ben and this is how you have to read it. There were words that were missing. When he said that it was rabbinic, we'll see. It's not talking about a regular case of a pesulah. It's talking about a widow. Really, a regular k'subas bevelkal k'subasalmana inamidavetarum with a Biblical but for an almana, for a widow, for a second marriage, that's rabbinic. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says that when it comes to a widow, the second marriage is only rabbinic. Okay? That's really the end of the discussion of whether Exuvah is biblical or rabbinic. In terms of what uh, the commentators say, there's really a dispute whether it's biblical or rabbinic. There are actually some commentators would say that an interesting uh, third option is that really, uh, conceptually, it is biblical, but how it plays out practically, and the amount and uh, different aspects to the actual super the details within it are only rabbinic. The rabbis Decided the, the, the details, but the concept of a pusilla, the concept of creating the situation where marriage cannot just easily be undone and just gets divorced without any ramifications, um, financial obligations, so that is difficult, and the details are rabbinic. Okay, that concludes this topic. We'll continue with the Gemara in the next recording.